proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena Arias. What is the one thing that people crave the most? I think we would be accurate in saying that what people crave the most is love. People want to be loved. They want to be accepted. And the greatest gift that we can give others is also love. God chooses to use love for everything that he does. And since we come from him... We must have the same motivation. Even God's judgments are based on love. Why? Because he is just. He must act in justice. The opposite of God is Satan. And he has an effective weapon that he uses, which is fear. Satan knows how to use fear in a way that no one else can use it or does use it. But we know that fear does not come from God. So anytime you are experiencing fear, you must know what the source of that fear is. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we read, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. End of quote. It's very clear. Fear does not come from God. Satan ultimately uses fear to accomplish his purposes. When I say ultimately is because he doesn't start out with fear. He starts out with temptation, wooing, appealing to the human appetites. He starts out with things that are enticing Because if he didn't do that, nobody would follow him. But once he has his control over you, then he uses the power of fear. God uses power, love, and a sound mind. Other translations say self-control. A sound mind means that we act on knowledge, God's knowledge. We are well aware of what we believe and why we believe it. We know where the source of our strength comes from, and it comes from God. So to be overcomers, we must leave the realm of fear and increase and grow a powerful faith based on the only one who has never failed and will never fail. It is not in God's character to fail. We have not been left defenseless. So even though Satan uses his weapon of fear 
we are not defenseless against him and on the lies that he uses and the plots that he implements in his efforts to trip us up. But first, we must be free from sin and all accusations that Satan could possibly bring against us. And you might say, well, how can we do that? Everybody's a sinner. We all sin. It is very different to be a sinner and to be a sinner that is controlled by sin. There is a difference. I sin because I'm a sinner, but I work toward freeing myself from the control of that sin. So my heart is not in sin. My heart is doing right. My heart is in obeying God. My heart is in transforming myself into the image and likeness of Christ. When we become knowledgeable of the strategies of Satan and use God's word against him, he does not have a foothold in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, we read, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. End of quote. When we know the word of God, we can detect, we can discern from a long distance when Satan is coming at us and what he is using to trip us up. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Another thing that should make us alert and strong and equipped over the lies of Satan is that he uses the same schemes that he has always used. Why? Because they work. They work with the sinful nature. But if we are ignoring the sinful nature, if we are submitting it to the Lordship of Christ, he has no foothold in us and we can beat him at the game that he is playing. So welcome to the program, friends, where we will be dealing with the topic, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let's study from God's word how we can set ourselves free from the crippling hold of fear. I'm Nena Arias, and once again, I welcome you to the broadcast. The only way Satan can have a hold on anyone is for the individual not to be in commitment with God and on guard at all times. It is not sufficient to be in commitment with God. We must always be alert. We must always be on guard. Anything and everyone and every message that comes at us, we must be able to discern where it is coming from. As any one of us can be caught off guard if we are not careful. A good example of this is, remember what happened to Jesus's hand-picked disciple that walked with him for years? Yet he did not discern the spirit of Satan that spoke through him to Jesus. When Jesus told his disciples that he was going to die, and Peter said, no, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus had to rebuke Peter strongly, and rightfully so. Peter had already acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. He already knew this, and he knew that the Messiah was going to come and pay a price. So Peter had no reason to come against what Jesus was saying. 
telling him that he was not going to die. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, we read, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. End of quote. Peter was not discerning what Jesus was saying. And yet here he was, walking with the master, learning from the master, seeing the life of the master in human form. He knew the prophecies. He knew the mission of the Messiah and what the Messiah was supposed to come to do. Yet he missed it. The spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm that we can see, that we can hear, smell, taste, and feel. So living more mindful of the invisible realm, meaning the spiritual realm, is where we need to function. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to have our head in the clouds, that we're not going to be able to relate here on earth. No, we have to function with the dual function, carrying out our earthly obligations and responsibilities, but our mind and our heart and our principles and our mindset must be in the spiritual realm, God's realm. Our daily life can bring us many difficult challenges, and we may feel overwhelmed by how much they demand from us, and none of us is exempt from receiving these challenges. But it doesn't matter what we have been going through or what physical condition we may find ourselves in. There is never a good excuse to let our guard down. If we know the word, if the word of God has permeated our thought life, the goals, how we carry out our work, the character principles that we have embraced to practice on a daily basis, we should not let our guard down. As a matter of fact, the weaker we find ourselves, the more alert we have to be because our enemy always plays dirty and cannot produce any degree of mercy, love, or compassion. He's not going to say, oh, look at this poor soul. They're too worn out. I'm going to leave him alone for a while. Let them recoup. That's not the way he works. He's filthy. He's dirty. He takes advantage of our weaknesses, but also God says that his power is made perfect in weakness because we know that when we overcome the enemy, even though we are weak, but we cried out to God and God gets all the glory. He has an opportunity to show his power. So the more worn out we are, the more he feels empowered to come in for the kill. Always remember he's scheming and he looks for the right opportunity. In the wilderness, Jesus was heavily tempted by Satan. Have you read that? While Jesus was in a weak physical condition after having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then Satan comes and he says, okay, you're in a human body. You're feeling all the weaknesses, everything that a limited human body can feel. Okay, now I'm coming to get you. Yet, Everything that Satan threw at Jesus, Jesus was able to discern and use the weapon of the Spirit to defeat him, which is the Word of God. The same Word that you and I have, 
Look up the passages that Jesus quoted when he was resisting the temptations of Satan. They're all there. And most of them are found in Deuteronomy. Those books were given a long time ago by God. Those principles were established a long time ago by God. So you and I have the same defense that Jesus had against the most evil, most powerful temptations that Satan can throw at anybody. First, he tempted him with bread. He knew, he knew exactly what Jesus was feeling. Jesus was probably looking weak in his physical body. So first he offers him bread. Hey, if you're the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread and feed yourself. You don't have to go hungry. That would have been tempting, wouldn't it? But Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, we don't live by bread alone. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The word of God is our strength. The word of God is the nourishment for our spirit. The word of God is an active sword against the enemy. And Jesus' spirit was permeated with the word of God. So even in his weakened physical state, he came against Satan's attacks forcefully with God's word. And Satan was not successful in tempting Jesus. On the contrary, Jesus said to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Away from me, Satan, Jesus declared, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. End of quote. Satan was not going to find a foothold in Jesus. He had absolutely nothing on him. And whatever Jesus accomplished here on earth in a physical body, you and I can also accomplish. Satan does not have to have anything on us. The kind of fear we're talking about in this topic is the one that comes from Satan, not the fear of God. Remember we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. This kind of fear that we are talking about, again, does not come from God and not to be confused with the fear of God. The fear of God is a loving, reverential awe toward him. When we fear God, we respect him and walk softly in obedience because we want to give him his place in our hearts. We don't want anything to rebel against him. We don't want anything to offend the spirit of God within us. We want to be in right standing with him to not hinder his blessings toward us, to not hinder his plan for us. And that fear of God is birthed out of our love for him. That's the difference. But the paralyzing fear from Satan is what the dictionary describes as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, pain, concern, intimidation, worry, dread, or anxiety. And that's just to name a few causes. But that kind of fear is paralyzing. And when we are experiencing that kind of fear, God's perfect love is not our focus. First John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, 
because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. End of quote. This fear that grips people's hearts is because they've not been justified, and so they fear punishment. And this is the kind of fear that Satan brings upon people. And it makes a contact with the guilt and the conviction of sin that people already know is in their heart. They know they're sinners. So anything that the enemy brings against them, they know he has power over them. But there is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. God's love is the only perfect love. So when we are focused on that love, fear has to flee. It has to go. It has no place in our heart. Because the Bible says that God is love. And if God abides within us, Satan cannot abide within us. There is no room for both of them. It's either one or the other. It's either Satan's fear or God's love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. End of quote. When God dwells within our heart, within our spirit, we can live every single day free of fear. Isn't that amazing? There are so many people that are so frightened even just to wake up to the light of a new day because they live in constant fear. Fear of themselves, fear of the people that surround them, fear of failure, fear of sickness, fear of bankruptcy. There are a lot of threats that cause people to live in fear. But when God's love is living within you, you know that he has everything covered. So God's dealing with us and God's plan for us is rooted in his love. In other words, love is a fundamental characteristic of who God is. Everything God does is motivated and influenced by his love. And it is important to note that true love is not an emotion. The sooner we understand that, the better off we will be. There are too many things that fail in us and around us because we do not understand. We don't understand that love is not an emotion. The marriages that are breaking down is because people do not know what love is. They interpret it to be an emotion. And they love the feelings that love, that infatuation makes them feel. So when they no longer feel those emotions, they think they have fallen out of love with their spouse because they do not have those feelings, quote unquote, anymore. Do you think that God could have continued to deal with the human race if his feelings were fueling his plan? 
God's heart, I am positive, breaks at the pain of seeing those that he has created on a daily basis. He hurts to see them fail, suffer, not understand his love, and he does his best to communicate his love to every single human being. But how many get it? Very few. So, no, true love is not an emotion, neither on God's side, and it should not be on our side either. Our love is embedded in a commitment that we have, first of all with God, and then with others. When you accept a marriage commitment, that's what it should be throughout your entire life. In the good times and the bad times, you are committed, not because you feel all these warm fuzzies or these exuberant romantic feelings. Those are traps. When you guide your decisions, when you guide your life by emotions, you are going to fail every single time because true love is not an emotion. It is important to understand this. God's love for us is not based on an emotion. And let me give you briefly a description of the different levels and expressions of love that are known to us. The first one would be the erotic love. How many people confuse true love and commitment for eroticism? Erotic love has its root in the sensual and sexual nature of human beings. And people confuse sex with love. They want the real deal, but they settle for erotic love. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. And they want to be satisfied with this kind of erotic love, but they come up empty every single time. So love is not eroticism. There is another level of love that is the filial love, which is befitting a family member like a parent, a son, or a daughter, a family relational type of love. Again, you are committed to a parent, you are committed to a son, or you're committed to a daughter or a spouse. The filial love is the family member love. And then there is the third category, which is the agape love. The agape love is God's pure love. And it is also the Christian love, which is the love we are supposed to function in. The distinct word for the type of love that God displays in the Greek is this word, agape. And it refers to a benevolent and charitable love that seeks the best for the loved one. Now do you see why we have to function in God's love toward our loved ones and not on emotion? Because God's love will withstand the test of time, will withstand the adjustments that we have to make in a family situation, will withstand the inconvenience of clashing characters within a family, within a relationship, 
with your business partners, with your employees, your fellow workers. God's love is the only one that can withstand all these hard blows. If you function on any other level, you're going to get in trouble. The fear that perfect love casts out is the fear of God's judgment. When you know that God's love has accepted you, has forgiven you, has restored you, has justified you before his presence, then you have absolutely nothing to fear. Now we know, even non-believers know, that there's going to be an end to their life and an end to this world that many of us will probably never see. But we perceive it in our spirit. This world cannot continue the way it is indefinitely. So we know that judgment day is coming, either for us individually or for the world. But those who are in Christ know the love of God, and that drives away the fear of condemnation. We can face every single day confident, knowing that if that's going to be our last day, we are in right standing with God and we are going into his presence. So there's nothing to fear. Being delivered of fear, of judgment, is one of the main functions of God's love. The person without Christ is under judgment and has plenty to fear. In John chapter 3, Verse 18, we read the following that says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. End of quote. There you have it. If you are in Christ, you do not have to fear condemnation, guilt of anything, because we have been forgiven and made righteous in the eyes of God through the Holy Son of God. So if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, what do you have in your defense? Absolutely nothing. And you have everything to fear if you are not in Christ. Once a person is in Christ, the fear of judgment is gone. He is reconciled to God and you experience what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says. There is now no condemnation for those who who are in Christ Jesus, end of quote. And so part of understanding the love of God is knowing that God's judgment fell on Jesus at the cross so that we can be spared from that judgment. And if we are in Christ, then we receive the justification that Christ won for us. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. End of quote. At the cross. Our iniquity was nailed at the cross. Jesus' sacrifice appeased God's justice and won his good favor. And this is why we are accepted. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. End of quote. This salvation is for whoever wants it. All you have to do is ask for it. And then learn how to live a righteous life before God as his word the Bible, our life manual, instructs us. 
and you will be free from this fear. You will have encountered the perfect love of God that casts out all fear. Isn't that amazing? I hope you think so, because I sure do. We're going to continue with this topic, dear friends, and I hope you will join us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.